welcome to Menopause in the Kitchen, where we talk all things food and nutrition for women in their midlife years. I'm Rachel Cooper, dietitian and food lover, with a passion for sharing information about nutrition in practical ways, so that you can take what you need and implement it into your lifestyle. Join me in my kitchen as I share bite-sized chunks of information to help you nourish your body and thrive in your midlife years and beyond. And welcome back everyone to Menopause in the Kitchen. Thanks for joining me again for a new episode. Um, Today's episode's going to be a little bit different in that I'm not going to talk quite as much about um, nutrition and food. I know that's generally what I do talk about, but I just thought for today's episode that I might talk about the 10 things that I wish I knew about menopause before it all started or perimenopause before that started because I really didn't know much about it at all and I've since you know uh, done a lot of research and tried to um, learn as much as I can and I'm certainly no expert I'll say that from the start but what I just wanted to share were the things that I wish that I knew from the start I know now but I wish I knew it from the start and I've had quite a number of people that I know um, reach out to me and say oh I think I'm like I'm starting to get to that stage in my life I, I feel like things are starting to change and I just really would like to be able to pass on the information that I've learned to others who might be earlier um, you know maybe it's it's um, just starting or maybe you're about to get to that point in your life Even if you're already in the throes of it like I am, um, I think there still might be things that you pick up today in today's episode and think, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I need to go and look into that more or I knew a little bit about it, but um, I'd like to know more about it. So I hope today's episode is helpful. Um, Like I said, I'm by no means a, a, a menopause expert, but I just wanted to share the things that I've experienced and the things that I've learned along the way and hope that maybe those of you who are just starting out um, might be able to get the help and the knowledge that you need um, much earlier than I did because pretty much no one talked about um, menopause and certainly, you know, I don't know anyone who sort of um, spoke to me about their experiences in menopause when I was you know, in my 30s, say, you know, getting to that age where at some stage I was going to start um, that process. And so, you know, that's what I'm going to share with you today. I don't want to keep it all to myself. Um, I want to be able to help others as much as I can. So let's jump into the 10 things that I wish I knew. First of all, it can start sooner than you think. So in my mind, when I thought about menopause, I didn't quite know enough about perimenopause and really understand that lead up to menopause. So I knew that menopause was a time when your period stopped um, and it's a time, you know, after 12 months of no periods, that's when you reach menopause. I kind of understood that, but um, the average age of reaching menopause is I think around 51 years of age. So when I was in my late 30s and early 40s, I wasn't thinking 
that I was at that age yet. I was like, that's still ages away. I don't have to, I don't have to think about that yet. But I really didn't understand perimenopause, which is the years leading up to that point. And it can start a lot sooner than you realize. It could be in your late 30s. For some people, it's a lot earlier, but I'm talking on average. It could be in your late 30s, but generally in your 40s. So once you sort of reach your 40s, for many women, that is when the changes start. And I really had no idea that it started that early. So I was having symptoms and changes in my early 40s, but had no idea that this was the start of of perimenopause. And also the thing I didn't know was that perimenopause can go for from anywhere between two and eight years, sometimes even up to 10 years. So it's actually a long period of time leading up to menopause that you're going through all these changes. And a lot of these symptoms are happening during that time when your hormones are fluctuating up and down, up and down. So I had no idea that that's that's how long perimenopause went for. Um, And, you know, when you understand that, you realise that, okay, if the average age is around, you know, 51, that definitely in your early 40s or, you know, if you're going to maybe reach menopause a little earlier, even in your late 30s, that that could be the start. That could be when you start seeing um, changes happening. So that's one thing that I wish that I knew, that it can start a lot earlier than you really realise. Secondly, um, that symptoms are more than just hot flashes. That was probably one of the symptoms that I was aware of. It's probably the only time that I ever saw women who are older than me talk anything about menopause. Um, and it would pretty much be at work if you were in a meeting or something like that and, um, you know, a colleague who was older than me um, might sort of go, oh, goodness, I think I'm having a hot flush, you know, and um, that's probably the only time I sort of ever heard menopause being spoken about or its symptoms. So it's, it's certainly one that a lot of women get, so I guess that is something that people talk about a lot. Um, So it's definitely one of the most well-known symptoms, but it's not the only symptom. There are so many symptoms that can be um, related to, you know, the the changes in hormones because our hormones, particularly estrogen, has an effect on all sorts of parts of the body. It's not just your ovaries. It's not just like your reproductive system. Um, It has an effect on all different parts of the body. So there are estrogen receptors right through the body. So therefore, it makes sense that if your estrogen levels are changing, that then your symptoms could be related to many different um, areas of the body, not just our reproductive system. So some of the common symptoms apart from hot flashes are things like night sweats, mood swings, low energy changes in weight and weight distribution, stress, irritability, um, a low sex drive, joint aches, occasional sort of maybe sleeplessness or issues waking at a certain time through the night, headaches, difficulty concentrating or that brain fog that many women, um, you know, refer it to. And there's, there's even lesser known symptoms like achy joints, itchy skin, 
Um, heart palpitations. Now that's, you know, that's one that I didn't know about. And it's actually one that I have experienced for a, quite a number of years, never made the connection. Um, a burning mouth, sore breasts, um, feeling rage, you know, that mena rage that people talk about, um, dizziness, or maybe um, like that, that sort of vertigo or an increase in vertigo. So, and honestly, there are more than that, but I'm just kind of reeling off a few um, just to show how wide ranging how wide ranging the symptoms can be, and how so many of these many of us don't attribute to our changing hormones, and it's probably because some of them we sort of put down to oh you know I've just got a really busy lifestyle so that's why I'm so tired or. Um, you know, my my life is stressful, so maybe you know the the stress is because of that. But if you've noticed that, yes, your life might be busy and stressful, but the the way that you're managing that has changed, and all of a sudden you're finding it a lot harder, then maybe that could be that your hormones are actually changing. So symptoms, know your symptoms, know that they are wide ranging. Um, and maybe keep a bit of a diary if you're experiencing any of those so that you can look at the trend over time um, and use that when you go to speak to your doctor. Speaking of doctors, number three is the one thing I wish I knew is that not all doctors know enough about menopause and perimenopause. And I personally, and, and please, I'm not dissing on doctors because I think doctors are wonderful. It's just that they don't learn enough about this in their training. So if you go to a GP, a GP may not have all the knowledge that they need to help you during this time. Um, but I certainly had that experience where I reached out, you know, went to a GP, explained what was going on and was told, oh, no, you're too young for menopause. Well, yes, I probably was too young for menopause, but I wasn't too young for perimenopause, and that was the difference. So, again, you know, the doctor was sort of thinking of that average age of around 50, 51, and I was in my early 40s. Um, so just know that our doctors, particularly our GPs, just don't have the training and the knowledge about this. Not all, I, I shouldn't say not all of them because some of them do. Um, so my recommendation is looking for a doctor that does know about menopause, someone that has an interest in women's health, for example, um, may have done some, you know, extra learning or training or whatever to learn more about how to manage things like menopause and hormonal issues. Um, I know that's easier said than done for some people. Um, I know that also we have, you know, doctor shortages. It's hard to get into a doctor, let alone find the right doctor. So the system and the medical system has its issues. And I think that plays a part in women being able to access the, the right care that we deserve. Um, and that's not our fault. It's the system's fault. But if you're able to, if it's possible, look around, try different doctors. Um, I personally, ha I, I travel out of town to another town to see a GP that actually knows about these things and, um, you know, has been really, really helpful. But I acknowledge that that's a privilege that I have that I can do that and not everyone can. 
Um, so I can't fix the systemic issues that are preventing us from getting the care that we need from our GP. Um, but just know that if you go to your to your doctor, they may not have the right information to be able to help you. And I think that's where arming yourself with information as much as you can can be helpful so that you can go in and say, hey, this is what's happening. And, you know, these are these are the sorts of things that happen during perimenopause and I'm ticking all of these off. Um, so, you know, you can you can sort of go in armed with some information, but it can be really tricky if you've got a doctor that just really doesn't understand or know how to manage, um, you know, someone who's having significant symptoms that are affecting their life. Um, okay, so number four, I would recommend if you don't already, um, tracking your menstrual cycle. Um, it can be tricky for those who don't have regular menstrual cycles. So if you're someone that has a very haphazard menstrual cycle anyway, um, it may be hard for you to notice any differences, um, but you may still notice that something's changing compared to what normally happens. Um, but if you're having fairly regular menstrual cycles, tracking them and noticing any changes over time. So is the amount of bleeding changing? Is the length of your period changing? Maybe you're having longer or shorter periods. Is the length of time between your periods changing? Is it getting shorter or longer? Um, so just tracking that and doing that over time, particularly at those early stages when you're first starting to think, hmm, I think maybe things are starting to change for me. If you start tracking that, you've got a good history to be able to go to your doctor and say, okay, this is what my periods used to be like. This is what's happening now. So you can kind of show that there's been a change. And even I think just for yourself to be able to see that. For me, that was one of the first um, symptoms that I noticed. And it was because that I because I had very regular um, menstrual cycles. So I pretty much knew exactly within a day or two, when it was going to happen, how long it was going to be. It was always sort of the same. Um, but then I started to notice um, some changes. And in fact, in hindsight, looking back, I would actually say that there was probably some changes happening in terms of the heaviness of the bleeding um, prior to me actually noticing that there was, um, you know, changes in the actual cycle happening. So, yeah, track, it, track your menstrual cycles um, and you can use an app. That's what I always did because I just found that that was easy. Um, the app often would remind you and say, hey, um, you know, you, you're due for a period or you haven't entered your period. Um, so it re would remind you to go, oh, yeah, better go and enter my period. Um, so if that, that's helpful, otherwise just track it in a diary or something or a notebook or something like that. Number five. Your body is likely going to change during that this time. Um, just like your body changed when you went through puberty, and we know what, what that's like. We, we know that you, you start developing, your hips um, start developing, you start developing, developing breasts, and you start looking a little curvier and more like a woman. Um, when you go through perimenopause and menopause, your body changes and that is very normal. 
It's not easy for everyone to come to terms with, but it is quite normal. Um, you might find that your you may you may increase weight uh, whether you weigh yourself or not. You might just notice in the way that your clothes are fitting, and you might find that weight is more distributed around the middle than it was previously, um, and that does happen with the changing um, in estrogen levels. And so, like I said, this this can be a really tricky time for many women. It can be a very vulnerable time where you might be um, persuaded by different diets and, uh, you know, different, different things that people are offering out there in the media um, and social media to try and slim down and get back to your, you know, old body. But sometimes I think we need to step back and just realise that our body is changing for a reason. Um, there are physical things going on inside our body which then can result in the way our bodies look, just like it did during puberty. Nobody goes through puberty and then says, oh, I want to stop this and go back to how my body was before puberty. Um, in fact, maybe some, some girls probably, probably did, but it's not something that is is recommended is it it's it's accepting that now this is your new body and the same thing goes when we go through menopause this is this is a very similar situation um so for me one of the recommendations i would suggest is learning to find clothes that you feel good in that fit well if your older clothes are not fitting well um maybe it's time to go, okay, they're not comfortable, they're not fitting well, it's time for me to get some clothes that do fit well. And again, there is some privilege there in, in being able to afford to do that. Um, but whether it's through, you know, secondhand clothes or whatever um, you're able to manage within your budget, having clothes that you feel good in um, and forgetting about numbers and sizes and all of that and just thinking about what clothes do I feel good in. For me, jeans was was one of those. I was still trying to wear the jeans that I was wearing prior to my body changing. They weren't comfortable. They were digging in. Every time I sat, I just wanted to undo the button because they were, they were tight and uncomfortable and I finally found a pair of jeans that are made for curvier women. They have a lovely stretch in them. They're higher waisted. They are so comfortable that I wear them all the time. And I'm now, I'm, I'm going to get some more in different colors. So, you know, finding clothes that, that you feel good in and just an, and acknowledging that, yes, things have changed, but it might just mean that you need to move on and look for different types of clothes and different sizes that, that you feel better in. Um, number six, be prepared to take some time for yourself. As women, we often, we're, we're often doing things for others, particularly if you have children and a partner. Um, you know, we're often caring and doing things for others and Many of us put ourselves last, but during perimenopause and menopause, you're going through a huge change. Lots of things are changing. Lots of things are happening. 
And it's really important that you take that time for yourself. Find some things that you enjoy, things that um, you can do just for you. Um, finding self-care, what, whatever self-care means to you. It doesn't have to be bubble baths and massages. It could be having um, a quick and easy dinner at the end of the week so that you can put your feet up and, and relax or um, maybe even, you know, getting takeaway if that's um, available to you or if that's within your um, budget. Um, just, just it doesn't have to be about looking after yourself in the sense that we, we often think about self-care. It can be what's just going to make your life easier. Um, and also taking the time to look after your mental health because um, often we are quite stressed and um, there's a lot going on in our lives uh, in our midlife years. Um, so whether it's, uh, you know, in relation to the hormones changing, which can actually affect that, or whether it's because, um, you know, you are just having a stressful life because of things going on in, you know, in your family or whatever it might be or, or with work is making the time to take, um, take a break and do things um, by yourself, things that you can um, enjoy and, uh, you know, just, just some downtime, I guess, to do what, what you need in that particular time. And that could mean whatever it is for, for anyone. And, of course, you know, getting support if you need to. Um, that's really, really important, whether it's from your friends or, you know, a, a trusted family member that you can just have a chat to about how you're feeling and, you know, what's going on in your life and um, how you're coping. But it could also be getting professional support if that's available to you, if that's what you, if that's what you need um, and, and getting onto that early rather than letting it fester and, and, um, and getting worse. So I really think this is a time that we as midlife women need to prioritise ourselves because there's a lot going on just in general in life but then if we throw in all the physical changes that's going on in our bodies um, you know, we need to be able to take that time for ourselves to look after ourselves and put ourselves first. Number seven, um, I guess, is a little bit tied in with what I just spoke about, but talking to your family and friends about what you're going through. And that might be to get some um, some support and, you know, have someone to talk to and someone to talk about how you're feeling um, and how you're coping, but it might also, I think it's also important that we let particularly those close to us know what we're going through because it's easier for them to understand why we may be behaving a certain way or why we might be tired all the time or whatever it might be that um, that's affecting you, that, that they actually understand why. So as you're learning about perimenopause and menopause and the symptoms and and all the all the different parts of the body and different things that it can affect, um, you know, it might be it might be a good idea to talk about those to your close family and friends, provided that feels safe to do so. And um, obviously, you, you want to be um, confiding in those that um, are going to try and understand and um, and support you through that. But talking to those close to you, so 
not only can you get support from them, but you're also helping them to understand what you're going through and therefore they know better how to support you um, and also just understand that, you know, there will be days where you're not feeling your best, whether, you know, you might be angry or tired or whatever it might be and that you can actually then say that um, and they understand and go, oh, okay, yep, I understand what's going on. So that's um, that's another another tip and another thing that I have learned along the way. Number eight um, is coming back to nutrition, which is obviously my um, my area uh, that I know most about. But I guess one of the things to understand is that diet and changes in your diet. Now I'm not talking about dieting, <laughs> and you know to try and lose weight. I'm talking about you know, looking at the types of foods that you're eating can actually help. It can help with symptoms for some women. So we know that things like increasing um, phytoestrogens, for example, can um, help some women um, relieve symptoms. We know that for some women who may be affected by alcohol in terms of it increasing hot flushes and so on, that cutting back on alcohol or trying out some alcohol-free beverages um, you know, might be helpful. So making some changes to your diet can actually help with symptoms. But we also know that, and if you go back to some of my previous um, episodes, that we know that there are certain um, vitamins and minerals and nutrients that are really important for us to focus on during this time. And it's not only just to help our lives right now and our health right now, but into the future, because really in these midlife years, we want to be uh, looking after our health as best we can so that down the track as we age, we have a better quality of life. And so we know that things like increasing omega-3 fats to um, reduce our risk of cardiovascular disease, having enough calcium and vitamin D to keep our bones strong, um, having enough iron-rich foods to prevent iron um, deficiency and eating enough protein to ensure that our muscles um, remain strong because, uh, you know, your muscle mass and um, starts to decrease um, as we age and, you know, having enough protein. And then, of course, you know, there's exercise and so on that kind of goes with it. But you know, changing up and looking at the sorts of foods that you're eating really can help. It can help in the immediate um, time. So right now in terms of symptoms, or it might be, you know, maybe you're including more um, high fiber foods to help with your, um, with your bowels, or it could be um, eating regularly and having lower GI foods to give you um, more energy over the day. So there are things that can help right now and help you feel better now and then other things that you can change in terms of your um in terms of your eating the foods that you eat to increase your quality of quality of life as time goes on and and as we um as we get older so the second last thing that i wanted to talk about was um HRT, uh, so hormone replacement therapy or menopausal hormonal therapy, which, which is MHT, which a lot of um, health professionals are now calling it. Um, the, the one thing I guess I really wanted to let 
you know is that it is safe for most women. Now for quite a period of time there, um, HRT was, you know, um, basically doctors were too scared to prescribe it and there was a lot of stuff out in the media about it increasing the risk of um, breast cancer and so on. And so it, it became out of favour and, and women women stopped taking HRT if they were on it because they were scared, um, rightly so, um, because of the, the sorts of information that was being um, put out in the media. And this information came from a study uh, called the Women's Health Initiative. And it was a study on um, older women and it was looking at whether they could get the same, they could improve their um, heart health um, and risk of cardiovascular disease by taking HRT. So they were given HRT and they were trying to study to see whether these older women would have less risk or less less incidence of, um, of cardiovascular disease. And what happened during that time was that they started to see an increased risk of, um, of breast cancer. And because of that, they stopped it. And that's fair enough. But unfortunately, the way the study results were presented in the medium and the way, well, even without the media, I mean, doctors were looking at this and thinking, right, um, you know, we can't be prescribing HRT because of this risk. Um, but the problem was that if you actually looked into the study in more detail and looked at the details of the women that were in the study, um, so they they um, they had women who were given HRT, and then the, there was the control group. And in fact, the women who were given HRT were older than those in the control group. The control group were the placebo group, so they had a placebo. And so the women who actually were getting the HRT were a lot older, and the average age was actually sixty three years. So we would expect that women in that age group are probably going to have a higher risk of um, of breast cancer or any sort of cancer um, because of age. And they were older than the placebo group. Um, so, you know, we, we really need to, this is where it's really important when research comes out that you look into the specifics of how the research was conducted and what... Um, you know, what participants were in their age and, and so on. And so really what what came out eventually when um, people started looking into the research more um, closely was that they realised that, yeah, women were a lot older in this, in this um, um, study group and so therefore, yes, we would expect um, increased uh, risk of cancer and breast cancer but also what, what they've now found is that starting HRT earlier is actually a lot safer. It's, it's starting it when you're older that seems to be the issue, and this is pretty much what happened in this study. So the recommendations now are to start within 10 years of the start of menopause. So remember, start of menopause is that point in time where you haven't had a period for 12 months so within 10 years of that date, if you start HRT during that time, within 10 years, 
it's actually really quite safe. Um, and of course, you can start it earlier during perimenopause if your symptoms are quite, um, you know, are quite severe and you, and you feel that you need um, to have some help from hormonal therapy. But it's the issue when you look down into the details of the study, the issue was that these women were starting started on HRT at a lot older age. So now what the recommendation is, is so long as you start within those 10 years of menopause, it's actually quite safe for most women. I do say most women because, of course, um, your personal circumstances and medical history and so on needs to be taken into consideration and it's something that you need to have a discussion with your doctor and to weigh up the risks. But basically, for most women, the benefits of having HRT um, actually outweigh the risks. The risks are actually really quite low. So for, for many women, HRT or um, menopause hormonal therapy is an option. It's a safe option. Um, and I think we're starting to see that there's certainly been a shift where many doctors are now, you know, prescribing it. And um, many women have now just, you know, are happy to take HRT. But there certainly was quite a, a, you know, a number of years there where women were too scared to have it. Doctors were too scared to prescribe it. Um, I have no idea what these women were doing. They're probably suffering as, as a result of it, which is, um, you know, which is horrible. But now we know, we know that it is safe for most women um, and the risk is very low for most women. So um, have a discussion with your doctor. But that is definitely something that, you know, I really wanted to know about and um, and did, you know, did the reading to find out what, what, what happened during that time when HRT was, um, you know, everyone was scared to have HRT and doctors were, were scared to prescribe it. So that's number nine. And the final one, uh, number 10, is that when you get to your midlife years, around those 40s and, and 50s, it's it is a time for change physically. There's a lot going on, but I feel like it's also a time for change for you as a person. It's a time to reflect on your life, and many women do this um, at, at, in their midlife years, and and to think about what what has served me well um, in my first half of, half of my life. What can I continue to bring with me into the second half? What do I want to bring with me? And what do I want to leave behind? What is not serving me anymore? What do I not need anymore? And I've heard of um, menopause referred to as a second spring, and I really like that. It's a very nice positive um, positive way of looking at it. And I think a lot of people fear menopause or they, they dread it um, because they hear all the negative things about reaching that time in our lives. Um, and But it can be a time of great reflection and getting ready to think about what do you want the second half of your life to look like? What are your values? And your values may have changed over time. So when you were back in your 20s and 30s, um, what you thought was important might be different to what you think is important now. So it's a really good time to reflect, 
think about that. What what do you want to take with you in the second half? What do you want to leave behind? What new things do you want to bring to your life and the way that you live your life? It's a really great time to start focusing on yourself and to um, reflect and look forward to that second half of your life. And I know certainly for myself, um, there's been a lot of changes in the way that I see the world. Um, You know, obviously living 40 plus years um, gives you lots of life experiences. Um, But it's also been a really great time for me to reflect and to think about what my values are now going forward And knowing that what I valued before and what I thought was important may not necessarily still be now. And that's okay. It's okay to change and it's okay to live your life differently um, if that's what you choose. So I really wanted to end on a really positive note. And I think that midlife years are really, I think, exciting years um, for women to um, to really start thinking about themselves and how they want to be in the world for the second half of their life. And for, for many women, you may be in a stage where your children are getting older and not um, needing you quite as much. Um, that I know that's not always the case, but if that is, it's, it's a great time to then start going, okay, it's my time. It's my time to do the things that I really want to do. And it's not to say that you can't do that when your kids are younger. Of course you do. But um, you know, from my experience, there's there's always been some um, barriers there when your ch- children are young because they do just need a lot of your time. Um, but now I feel like I'm getting to the point in my life where it's 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 my time. It's about me and what um, and what I need, and it's about reflection and and looking forward to the future. So that is my top ten things that I wish that. I knew when um, I first started on this um, menopause journey and I hope that's been really helpful for you, um, particularly if you're at the early stages or yet to start. But even for those of you who are, you know, in the middle of it like I am, um, I hope that you did learn and uh, learn something new or something that you think, oh, that's something I'd like to think more about or that's something I'd like to, um, you know, learn more about. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope it was helpful for a range of women, depending on where you are um, in your journey, uh, your menopause journey. So that's it for today's episode. Um, I, I will uh, be back soon. Um, life has gotten a little bit crazy lately, so this has come out late. Um, but I do hope to get back into um, fortnightly episodes. If you have any ideas uh, of what you would like me to talk about, please send me an email or a DM um, and I'm happy to, um, you know, make an episode on whatever my listeners want to hear about. And if you are enjoying this podcast, I'd love for you to write a review um, and maybe Um, hit the follow button so that you know when new episodes are coming out and that will also help other women um, find this podcast and you know learn more about um, nutrition and and menopause Um, so you know the more women we can get to the better anyway thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you all soon